0: I think sometimes people confuse nice and kind, right? Like they're not always the same. Clear is kind. And I'm not, you know, I heard that from someone else. I didn't make that up. But clear is kind. And so a lot of times in the in the name of being nice, people do not specify expectations. Like in order to be successful, here's what needs to happen on these days, at this times, in this method. And here's what happens if that doesn't work out. I can tell you.
1: Welcome to the Freedom Chasers Podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. All right, guys, we have Andy and Meredith here on the show today, and this is going to be a little bit different because we're normally interviewing agents and investors, but today we're going to talk to people that serve those agents and investors. So they get to have a little bit of behind the scenes of the successes and the problems that they're facing. So hopefully, if you're in your business right now and you don't know what's going on because you don't know the numbers, or maybe you're struggling and you're starting to realize it, but you don't know what to do about it, these are the gals that we're going to be talking to today to unpack the stories. And so we generally start off our shows with the craziest real estate transaction or experience. But what I want to do today is take us into what is a a business that you guys have helped, don't need the name, that maybe something went wrong And like, what did you have to do to come in and fix it? And how did that person eventually know that something was going wrong?
0: Yeah, man, there's so much that we've seen in the years that we've been in business. But I think the craziest thing that has happened client-wise is somebody making that phone call for help really late in the life cycle of their business. So, you know, best case scenario, we start with somebody early when they're hopeful and excited, and we can set everything up right from the beginning. We know their profitability. But every once in a while, we get one of those phone calls, somebody calling and saying like, hey, I'm in a jam, and I don't have anybody in my corner. Uh there was somebody that called us and he had 60 days before all of his loans were going to get called and he's got these two locations, family guy, good dude, and his mortgage was wrapped in. And so we were helping him navigate how to take care of his family. Um and you know, if the business could stay open, great, but we were just trying to help him figure out how to keep a roof over his kids' head. So, you know, we, we go there with people. We're all about business, but business is personal, right? Like it's about those relationships. So, I mean, I know that's, there's a lot of passion in my voice because I care so much. That was a really hard experience to walk through. And with that particular person, we did everything we could to get them connected with people who could get him refinanced, could help him get um, bridge loans or things to get him through until he could wrap it into an SBA loan. Most people don't understand financing. And if we can get a hold of them early, we can get them set up with lower interest rates with referral partners that we work with. And there's just a lot we can do. So, um, so able to say- help him navigate that. Yeah.
1: Totally. Yeah. Let's break this out a little bit because I want to define what early, middle, and late is. Like how how would somebody know if they're what phase they're in?
2: I think that for us when we're saying early. We mean you're you're just getting off the ground as a business and you're making just enough money where you can start outsourcing a little bit of support um before that absolutely everything should be completely free like we have free resources on our website for people in that situation but early is you have enough money to at least be talking to somebody that does finances for you quarterly um and you know it's not a cpa Like you need to be able to afford your CPA, of course, to file taxes before you can afford this. But uh, when you start talking to somebody who does like a management accounting style, they're going to help you understand where to put your money, how much money you need to save, how your money should move, and then help you get it straight so that you're not panicking at tax season, trying to figure out where everything is and where it goes and whether or not you need to pay or you're going to get money back. Um, So I would say quarterly services are Uh, early in the game. And then when you're mid game, it's things are going pretty well for you. Your business is growing. You maybe want a little bit more support, a few more tactical decisions. Uh, That is a great time to jump in and really get some bigger services where they're doing for you and not just advising, but advising on top of it. And then late in the game is when you're in a pinch and you don't know where the hell to go and you've got to have attention immediately, because that's going to be far more expensive. You don't have any time to pre-plan and you're going to have to do everything real time very quickly. So
0: if we were going to consolidate that into a couple words, it's the setup, the scale up and the shutdown. And we want to talk to someone before they get to the shutdown, right? Call us when you're in the setup, call us when you're in the scale up. But by the time you get to the shutdown, we're all going to have tears running down our face and a big lump in our throat because our options are much more limited. We'd rather have somebody partner with us early. Yep.
1: Yeah. What revenue level, because you mentioned, I think it was you, Meredith, that mentioned essentially at, at first take advantage of free resources. Is there a top line revenue? What's the metric to decide, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm graduating out of the free resources into the paid resources?
2: I think it depends on what venue you're in for your business specifically. I know that we're talking to real estate folks here, but just for the extreme examples, if you're in a SaaS and you've built a whole software and you're, you have a huge profit margin, your revenue would look very different than somebody who's just barely scraping by. So I would say, um, if, if I were talking to anybody, if you can afford, um, $150 a month, you need to start looking for quarterly folks at that point. Um, because you can find some reasonable resources at that price point uh, and then it all scales up from there. So it doesn't have to be incredibly expensive. What you need to look for more than anything is if that person understands finance generally and they're not just doing data. So a lot of bookkeepers, for instance, just slap your books together, but they're not helping you tactically understand, the internal components of your money movement and that's that's really what you want out of a bookkeeper
0: yeah go ahead i was just gonna say i think a a good question to ask people is not always what's their top line revenue but what's their bottom line like if you're upside down you maybe can't afford to hire some help but you probably also can't afford not to which is the irony
1: right it's catch 22 of the whole thing
0: yeah. And somebody in that serves in a capacity like us, we want to help somebody understand if they're even profitable. And if they're not, we want to help them navigate their payment model or their price points so that they can be profitable. So you can't always afford us when you're in that setup phase, but you also can't afford not
2: to have us either.
0: So, like a, so what do you do? Yeah.
2: A lot of times what we do is jump in with that person and we set them up on a payment plan that is digestible. So say they have just enough cash flow to, to dig themselves out. In that instance, we will work with them on the payment portion of things. And upfront, one of the first things we do is dive into their books, cut some expenses, figure out if they need to charge higher prices by percentage or per client. But we very quickly break down the numbers, lay out the options and have them make some quick decisions to really move the needle so that they can become profitable. And then we work up from there.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So this is really, obviously, that's a great business model because then they, they, you allow them to afford you, you fix their problems and then they can legitimately afford you long-term. And then you've been the rescuer, so to speak, how much, I mean, Andy, I could feel your emotion coming through the microphone. Like how, how much of this for you guys is like emotion driven, like mission driven. And how much of it is, you know, like, does it feel like a business to you guys?
0: Are they different? <laughs> they can be for a
1: lot of people. Yeah, yeah.
0: So my background before all of this was social work. So I don't know how to lead with anything other than this in here. Like I don't yeah. I don't know how to do that. And Meredith and I really complement each other. She pulls out the intellectual in me and I pull out the touchy-feely in her. And we have a really good blend in the middle. And if we've done our job right, people can't differentiate between us doing a good job and us being a support system for them. If we've done it right, we've been both.
1: Yeah. And so someone comes to you, you guys put them on a payment plan, you help them. What are typically, like if you're talking about real estate investors specifically, what are the problems you generally see when you dig into the books?
0: Mary, do you want to give any examples? You want me to dive in?
2: You dive right in.
0: All right. So a lot of times um, people are not differentiating between the costs for a particular location, a particular door, a particular um property and their overhead. So first and foremost, if we can get their personal and their business expenses separated, and then their direct costs of property management or a particular deal versus their overhead in general, that's we've already done more than a lot of people do, right? Most people, they sit down with their shoebox at tax time and they're just trying to be compliant. And they don't really have any idea if they're making any money. You know, the money comes in, the money comes out names are changed, protect the innocent. I think that's a Dave Ramsey quote. Mm -hmm. Um, But a lot of times that's true for people. And so in the beginning, the pain point often is clarity. Can we get them some clarity? Can we change the way that their books are set up or the way that their um, business flow happens? We can work with people on their... um, CRM or things that they're using to navigate that flow of work so that they know who am I supposed to charge? When am I supposed to charge? Did I get the money I was supposed to get? Did I pay the people I was supposed to pay? Like That level of clarity sounds so simple, but it's a pretty elegant thing when you pull it all together right. Um, So we like to start there. That's, That's probably like a whole month worth of work in two minutes. Um, but that's one pain point is just asking and understanding what clarity do they need, but also what clarity do they want, right? Some people want to see different parts of their information. There's particular costs that are are unique to their model of business or their location of operation. And so if we can architect things to give them the clarity they want to have, you know, a lot of people come in and they're, they're paying someone previous to us for compliance level work. It's like, okay, we're going to get the taxes filed, but what they really desperately desire is somebody to be a partner with them and to teach them and to mentor them. So we try and step into that pain point too and resolve some of that for them.
1: So what percentage of people that come to you are profitable in their real estate investments and what percentage are not?
0: Ooh, well, I think... I think the clients that come to us because of the circles that we're networking inside of, most of them are at least break-even, I would say. I also have an understanding that most of the clients that come to us have already paid for a lot of coaching before they land with us. So a majority of the people, I think, in real estate are not profitable out of the gate right? You undercharge, you have the client or the um, tenants, perhaps if it's investing and you're owning, holding and owning and managing, you've got the tenants that are underpaying, you're not at market, you don't, you know, you know, the story. So you don't want to increase the rent too much. You don't want to misplace anybody or displace anybody, but then you've got this whole portfolio that's underperforming. And so we talk through that with people. How do we stair-step you so that people have some dignity, but you're also running a profitable portfolio. Um, yeah.
1: Looking think, at all these books, do you guys, I mean, the, the, theory, right. That you probably hear over and over again is, well, I want to undercharge cause I want to have quality tenants and et cetera. Like, do you, is that like a myth? Like, I mean, if you get your properties to market, does it really diminish the quality of tenant that you can find?
0: What experience are you creating for your tenants? Right. I mean, I think there's the traditional sense of, um, what the market will bear but there's also the value in a relationship i'm willing to pay for somebody who's got my back right like and i think i'm probably a quality tenant if i had to qualify myself right but i'm willing to pay for that and i think there are other people who will too and and the further we go along you know there's some people who want to invest in real estate as an asset and there's some people who want the freedom of not owning that responsibility I could buy a house. I want to be able to move to Bali next year if I feel like it. So I'm not particularly planning on buying something to live in, but I might buy something to rent to someone. And maybe they're a quality tenant and they just don't have the cash flow to dump into the down payment. Like there's a lot you could
2: talk about with financing and things like that. But
0: Mayor, I'd be interested to hear your perspective on that too.
2: On specifically the uh, quality of renter?
0: Yeah. Like if you charge enough, does that...
2: I... What I've found is there are a lot of really great people at a lower price point. Um, you just have to do the interview process up front. So I'm I'm in the same camp as Andy. Like if you create a good user experience and you're putting a little more effort into finding your tenants, I think you can reasonably find very quality renters at a lower price point.
0: Yeah. So
1: let's, let's break this out. Maybe we'll even use some analogies, right? Like, so sometimes we'd say, Hey, create a good user experience the end client might actually take that and do the wrong things, right? Like, like so for example, like when we're growing up and, and I wanted to pursue a girl, right? They say, oh, I'd be really nice, right? But sometimes nice is at the expense of your confidence, which doesn't, it, it backfires, right? Like with tenants, if you're too nice, they walk all over you. Um, so how do you think about what a good experience is where the landlord still maintains their landlordness, and yet the experience is good?
2: So I
0: think I know
2: everyone with this, go ahead. Andy and I have spent a sarcastic amount of time working on this for hiring team members. And it's the same thing that we encourage for people taking on renters. And it's understanding from a psychology perspective, the questions you're asking. So if, if I say like, hey Matt, are you a quality renter? Of course you're gonna answer yes. Instead, I'm gonna ask qualifying questions about what you would do in a specific scenario and how you would respond to it to get a good quality answer on whether or not that person is actually a good renter. So we do a ton of, in our onboarding process for team members, we do a ton of questions where we say like, if you were in this situation, how would you respond? And we have a very uh, stringent layout of how, what answers are acceptable, acceptable to us. And I would say doing the same thing for renters would be super beneficial. Um, A good for instance is uh, ask them to tell you a story where they were very successful um, in their rental experience, and then ask them for a failure in a rental experience. And because people typically trip all over themselves when they have to tell you about a fail, seeing how they do that, how honest they are and how graceful they are in their answer and how they responded to the failure tells you a lot about someone.
1: Everyone who listens to our show knows Tim and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different, and while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times that you've watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. The results prove this out. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secrets that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is not something that we're okay with. The benefit of working with Tim and I is that we are interviewing between five and 20 people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and gotten inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We're able to work with you to pick the strategy that will best fit and then help you create the custom plan to take you quickly into financial freedom. As a former math teacher, I always taught my students that the fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us. And let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. Yeah. And so obviously that's on the selection side, which is probably the most important part of the whole thing. If you get a good person, it's probably going to be a pretty good result. How how do you advise you as the owners to, to treat them as far as a good experience? Like, are you throwing barbecues for them? Like, where does this usually start and stop?
0: I think sometimes people confuse nice and kind, hmm. right? Like, they're not always the same. Clear is kind. And I'm not, you know, I heard that from someone else. I didn't make that up. But clear is kind. And so a lot of times in the... In the name of being nice, people do not specify expectations. Like in order to be successful, here's what needs to happen on these days at this times in this method. And here's what happens if that doesn't work out. I can tell you an example of that going horribly wrong. I have a fabulous, generous, amazing cousin that let me live with her for a summer and we didn't sign any kind of paperwork because we're family, it's no big deal. But then I had no idea what her expectations were. And it turns out that what she wanted to have happen in our shared home and what I wanted to have happen in our shared home were entirely different. And if we had been more clear up front, it would have been a kinder experience for both of us. And she, you know, from a logistical standpoint, lost my rental income because I couldn't hang. I'm <laughs> like, I'm yeah. out, I love you, I'll see you later. <laughs> like yeah. cheering for you. Um, But I think, yeah, like if people are clear about those expectations from the get-go and responsiveness is another thing. If you're clear and if you're responsive and it doesn't even have to be you, there's ways you can outsource that, whether it's a property manager or a VA, or if you're a realtor, there's transaction coordinators that can help improve the speed with which you respond. There's many resources, but clarity and responsiveness are massive so you like you can throw me a barbecue but when i moved in somebody had a soap and a sponge and a roll of toilet paper and that was epic i'm like all the things i wish i had (laughs) like now i don't have to unpack
2: quite so quick right i I think Uh, folks can do themselves a lot of favors as a landlord if they address specifically what to do in a financial burden situation because i think a lot of times when tenants are in a financial burden they panic and don't say anything until the very last minute where they literally cannot give you another single dime because they're ashamed. And I think that laying that particular portion out very clearly so that they know that you're an ethical human. And if they're going to be a little bit late, like what circumstances you will allow within that specific instance, it's going to make for a very good relationship and your tenant will talk to you a whole lot more. I want to, I
1: want to go deep deep into this because this is going to probably, I mean, like when you talk about property, property, profitability, which you guys will know probably more than I will in this, it's like you have, I mean, getting tenants to pay rent and mitigating that turnover is like the number one element of profitability in owning rentals. So if they can nail this right, it's going to fix a lot of things, uh, in their business. So can you like, like walk us through, like, let's say I'm your tenant and you're walking me through this conversation. Like, how does it go?
2: If, if I'm the landlord,
1: if you're the landlord, yeah. Either, either one of you guys.
2: So I'm going to talk systems theory just a little bit. Um, When I'm writing anything up, I have a very clear layout. I start with a checklist and then I want to go through metrics, responsibilities, connection points, and activities. It's MRCA. And I want to be incredibly specific and have a discussion with you around what i can tolerate if you're in an emergency situation what i would require to qualify an emergency situation um how long i would allow you to go uh negative and i would base that entirely on my profitability so say let's say that i've mostly paid for a house i'm doing pretty good um and i have a thousand dollars a month that i'm paying towards uh just Expenses for the house, and I'm getting $2,000 a month in rent. Uh, I can reasonably afford everything and have the profit that I want to if I charge $1,500 a month. So I could lay out a program, and it says, "Okay, hey Matt, you know, I know that sometimes financial situations come up. Although that, that I would ask is that you communicate with me if that ever does happen, or if you're going to be late, and we can work through a payment plan over time." If you do if you lose your job or you get into a imed- medical emergency um, and then I could lay out like I would like to see a, a letter from like either a doctor or your company specifying that you have been laid off so that there's no wool pulled over anybody's eyes. Uh, and then I would like to walk through what you can afford. Over the next few months, and I can give you a three month grace period of paying $500 less and tack that on later on. So I would be very, very clear and specific based on what you can tolerate so that you both can stack hands on those type of situations, if and when they should ever come up.
1: Do you also then in that same frame talk about, you know, hey, basically, like if you communicate with me, these options are available to you. But if we find out after the fact. Then the you know like is there anything like that or is it just the the positive side of the conversation?
0: I mean, I was just going to say, like for us, what this looks like is having this conversation with clients or with employees rather than Mm -hmm. truly with tenants. But what I can speak to is that as often as possible, we can have a clear answer that's consistent that is not based on personality. The better off it goes. So if it's not like, oh, you really tugged on my heartstrings, let me cut you a deal. That has never gone super good for us in our business. It's always, here's what our policies allow us to do. Here's what our structure can bear. And if we're trying to cut somebody a deal because our heart's involved, it almost always ends up in us doing them a disservice rather than just saying, here's what we can bear. Here's why we know that. Here's the the statistical backing behind that or the... um, numerical backing that we have. If we're looking at everything on a chart, like here's why we know that that will work for us. And here's why we know how long we can sustain that. Um, yeah. So you're, you're, you're,
1: yeah. And then we'll come back to what Meredith, so you're a heartfelt person. So was this hard for you in the business to be like, Hey, I'm going to defer my heart to the system. Like, was that a conversation between you and Meredith? How did that come about?
0: Uh, so what we know is I'm going to operate that way. So the yeah. best thing we can do is give me a structure that only has a finite number of options. And then yeah. I just get to pick from those options. I don't get to make up variations. I don't get to, and I, I really every once in a while I do, and I have to go back to Mary with my tail between my legs, and be like I did a thing.
1: Yeah. We're going to have
0: to fix it later.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, But we just literally gave me A, B, or C rather than me trying to reinvent the wheel every time. It's I can choose one of these options and then it's up to them to decide if it works for them or not. And if not, it's more dignified for everyone for them to opt out and go a different way. But this this is what we can do. This is how we can take care of you. Because if we don't also in business, if we don't charge enough, we can't take care of someone. If we undercharge, we underserve. And that's, a I think, a, a good parallel between what we do and how people charge in terms of tenants and the way that they're able to serve them, what they're able to care for. The property is less likely to fall into disrepair if there's enough money coming in to be able to afford those things. You can invest in upgrades. You can do those kinds of things. You have options. You can develop a war chest and a savings account, uh, like in case you need to draw from it. And if you're undercharging, we see people try and get in that margin of, I'm just going to be nice. I'm just going to only barely charge enough. And then nobody has any resources when things go sideways. You gotta, you owe it to them to charge enough to take care of them.
2: And surprisingly, if, if I am, if somebody is in my group of people, I'm going to lead with heart as well. So the thing that Andy just talked through the mechanism behind that for anybody who's doing this and maybe does lead with heart is we sat down and looked at what we were losing if we were not following our structure so say a client is in a non-payment situation or they can't pay it instead of just saying, oh, it's OK, we'll just work with you. Um, we we look at it in the perspective of if we do that, if we did that at scale for everybody, we wouldn't be able to pay our team anymore. And what hurts more? having to fire everybody that works for you or having to tell one person, "Why don't you come back to us in 2 months when you can afford it?" Here's the steps you need to take in the meantime. We care about you a whole lot. That's why we're giving you these steps. Please do your very best and call us if you need a quick answer on something. So, instead of saying like, you know, you know, you're gone bye, peace out, like whatever whatever your phrase is, it's we're we're caring about you for the with the best of our abilities right now. And we're also caring about everybody in our system as well.
1: Yeah, this is really powerful, and so it really it systemizes how to emotionally care for people. And so as you're applying this to tenant situations, once they like once you've set them up on a payment plan and they've broken that plan, is that kind of where it's over for you, both in business and what
0: you'd recommend to a client? I mean, sometimes when somebody runs into a money Crunch, they put things on pause that used to feel like priorities. Yeah. And I think that that's probably true for tenants too. Like you really need that extra bedroom until you stop getting a paycheck and then you're just happy to have a roof and running water, right? So in in our case, what that sometimes looks like is stepping somebody down a level in services, stepping back a tier and still taking care of their necessities without them having to pay for the upgrades. And if somebody has an amazing tenant who runs into a cash flow issue, can they get a roommate? Is that allowable? Can they do some subletting? Or do you have a different property that they could move into? Is it cheaper to pay for a rental or a moving company than it is to go through that entire process of hiring someone? Might be. Do you have those numbers? Do you know what it costs you? Like, do you know what your acquisition is for a tenant? Your cost? Do you know how long it takes? What's the likelihood that you're going to have a vacancy? How long are you going to carry that for? What do you have in the bank to be able to carry that? Have they taken really good care of the house? Does it just need a fresh coat of paint and you're ready again? Or have they thrashed the place? I mean, there's there's some balance there, I think, in in what someone's walking through, but they can't know if they don't have clear numbers. Totally. They can't. Well,
2: know. One of the things that I've walked somebody through within our business is the ability to get out of a lease if they find independently, find somebody who is willing to take on the lease and go through whatever level of compliance you have for a new tenant. So they did the cleaning, they found the person, and then they were allowed to break at that point as long as you legally had that person sign everything that you needed. Yeah. And
0: even better, if you're charging enough on the front end, you've hired somebody to help navigate that for you. So when we say you, we mean you and your team quite likely. Yeah. Maybe not just you yourself. Perfect. And so once somebody's gone
1: through the basic process, they've got their books in order, everything's running profitably. What is the next step for them?
2: This is my favorite part. (laughs) Um, Helping them grow and scale quickly. So this is where the systems theory part of things come in. We have a tech team and we help you speed up what you do internally with our tech team. And we will help you understand when is the, what do you need to have put by to make sure that your oh shit moments are covered. And that's entirely based on somebody's risk tolerance. So You know what do you feel confident in having of course there are like set points that most people want to be at and places that we recommend to be but some people are confident being a little more risky they want to have it all they want to have it right now and they're they're willing to do it that way so we help you set up how much you need to put by where you want to walk to with profitability what it's going to take to get there how you grow and scale building out your systems and we walk that process with you um And we always do that with the end goal in mind. So are you trying to get acquired? Are you trying to have the largest real estate portfolio of all time? Like, what does that look like? Do you want to be totally hands-off? Is this your retirement money? So we sit through and walk the goals and what is possible and help you make tactical decisions about when to push go on the next investment or whatever the case may be.
1: When you're saying the word put by, does that mean like savings or...
2: Savings or safer investments or whatever the case may be, wherever you want to put money, we help you look at the vehicles and the options and understand what's available to you. And then ultimately you have the decision of where you want to put money.
1: Yeah. And and so in in essence, it's like a sinking fund where it's like you have that money specified. So it's essentially something that's going to go in in case something goes wrong, but it's making money while it's sitting there.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's always, you want to always have some cash on hand, and then you want to be able to get access to money that's invested relatively quickly if you run out of cash on hand. And what does that look like for you personally? Like how much do you need to be able to cover if something were to happen? And then what do you need to be able to get a hold of and how quickly if that is depleted?
1: Yeah. So where do you guys see yourself going over the next 12 to 18 months?
2: <laughs> She's looking at me. Um really? <laughs> We have set ourselves up for a very large scaling um, next half of the year. And and I say next half in, in April, beginning of May very confidently because we typically November and December shut down onboarding of clients because we're trying to wrap up the year with everybody successfully so that they don't have as much of a tax burden. So despite the fact that we don't file taxes we can help you look at your numbers and see if there are any things that you can do to make sure you don't have as much of a tax burden. Um, and we start looping in CPAs at that point, we start getting you ready to close your year down and that kind of thing. So for us, big scaling year. And then interestingly, we're going to start putting this year, some of our money towards real estate as well.
1: All right. Yeah. So you're going to invest a lot like as a company or, or individually through the fast flow. Oh, Interesting. Yes, to, tell me and, yes
2: and
0: yes, and yes, <laughs> all the ways.
1: So so tell me, like, has it been serving real estate investors? Is that like what's turned the light bulb on? Like seeing their profits and you're like, I want to partake or, or what's led you to that thought process?
2: We have both been there for a long time. From the time that Andy and I met each other before we had, before we knew each other at all, that's one of the first conversations that we had is where we were putting our money in the businesses that we had separate from each other. Um, and the things that we liked to do with it, both from a lifestyle lifestyle and an investment perspective and real estate was the first of the investments.
1: Yeah. Awesome.
0: This business untied business solutions for Meredith and I has always been the backbone of the, what next? It has always in our vision been a structure we can create to serve our needs as we go and diversify what we're investing our time and our money into. And so we're building the team that we would want to have. Like That's the level of faith we have in our team is that when we're investing, they will be who we would want to hire. And we we wanted to create it from the inside out. Um, and I've owned real estate. I lived in, owned, lived in, renovated and flipped a condo in Southern California, which was a whole deal. Um, and I just, I love the whole process from finding the right deal to, you know, mapping out the design and what it can look like and who, whose life would be lived there. And Meredith has an amazing skill set in that department too. You can, I don't know if you want to talk about that. Sure. I can yeah. brag on
2: you if you want me to, but I think you should say it. Uh, I guess what she's referring to is I have an engineering degree and a design degree. So when when it comes to like user experience on the inside of any kind of structure, I can geek out over that. Like how people feel, what it looks like, how usable it is, practicality. Um, and so I have a lot of fun doing that part of things. I don't necessarily want to do the acquiring, but I, I do love... The internal components and making it a fun place to be, and getting it up to code and building it out exactly as you'd want it to look. So,
0: that uh, pink shelf right behind her is a
2: great story.
1: <laughs> right on. I
2: I moved into a house that you can't really see all of it. It's a bookshelf. So I moved into a house and I built a gigantic built-in bookshelf. Um, mm. And Andy finds it fascinating that I went out in my garage and made pink bookshelves
0: so (laughs) (laughs) my favorite thing about it is she ran through her rental and looked at everything she would want to have and then when her landlord and she got together she's like so i'm going to do this and this and this and this and this and this 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 property because it needs all of these things and it's going to make it great and you're going to love it you just need to green light me and i'm ready to go he's like why not okay
1: (laughs) it's so nice to have tenants that take charge like that especially if their ideas are solid and that's amazing
0: And every single one of them, you're like, "Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be fantastic. That would improve it so much. That's a great idea." I don't know why they didn't build it that way. Okay, she's got a gift.
1: I love it. Well, Andy and Meredith, thank you so much for coming on, and sharing about your life and your business, and how you built your business for your life. Um, all of the struggles that people are going through. I know there's going to be a lot of people relating to this, particularly in a time where incomes are down for a lot of people. A lot of things are are a challenge. So. I appreciate you getting into not only just the nuts and bolts, but the scripting even of how we talk to our tenants. So guys, write down something you learned from today's episode. Share it with somebody you know so they can hold you accountable. This freedom is one action at a time. And if you take steps day by day before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show.